Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on topics of interest to you and your family. Today, we continue with our series on mental health issues and specifically coping during the pandemic. This is our third podcast in a series. We've discussed the fear of getting COVID. Last week, we discussed the emotional impact of losing your job, both fabulous topics. And this week, we have another exceedingly timely topic here locally, and that is, should we send our children back to school? And my guest for this series is Nora Ann Brooklocker, a local licensed marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Welcome, Nora. Hi, thank you so much. This, uh, as you and I said when we, uh, before we started taping, that uh, this is happening so fast. Things are changing, you know, every other day with the school district here locally that it's hard to keep up. And we're taping this on Friday, August 14th. It will go out next week. And today I saw in the newspaper that there were cases at two high schools. Um, it's, it's such a difficult decision for parents. It's almost a, neither decision is really perfect, and certainly with either decision, there's certain ramifications. Do I keep them at home? Uh, where they lose the experience of in-person learning and being with their peers? Um, do I let them go to school and risk getting COVID? To compound the confusion, um, we have national differing views on whether it's safe for our children to go to school. And that's that cognitive dissonance that we talked about in our first um, time together, Noran, that we have one saying one thing and one saying another. So where would you like to start with this topic? Right. Um, so this is what I would consider to be one of those gray area problems, right? So I think that those are really the hardest to resolve. Um, These are ones where despite all the research that you've done and um, the experts that you've spoken to, it's still really unclear. Um, So in this, you you have to kind of in some ways rely up to your own experience, that that, uh, pesky little gut feeling that you have. this is really in, in many ways uh, very on par with decision-making for parents in general in that we have to make a lot of really hard cho- uh, choices on behalf of our children throughout the span of their lives. And this is really no different from that. Um, but ultimately, I think that it's a matter of emotional, rational, and really best-case scenario is using a bit of both to make that decision. So I guess if I was to sit down and really look at how I make my decisions, there would be a system and a process to it. Do most of us, whether we know it or not, have our own internal process? Um, In all likelihood, there there probably are ways that people have um, typically leaned towards making decisions. Some might be very feeling-based. Some might be very thought-based. And again, um, might be a combination of both. I think that certainly anecdotal experience uh, might play a real strong role. You um, mentioned in the first podcast a a friend, a colleague had come up to you and said, well, what do you think? And I think that there probably is a whole lot of that at this point in time, trying to gather a lot of information. Um, But ultimately, I think that 
um, I'll go to the Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman, who wrote, the best measure of quality thinking is your ability to accurately predict the consequences of your ideas and the subsequent actions. And I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of this experience right now is that there's so much unknown. And as we go into making this decision, I think a lot of people feel a bit of trepidation. Um, and again, that anticipatory grief that we also touched on previously. Well, it's sort of like an algebra equation. I have A and C, but what does B end up being? Um, and how much do I know about A and C? So let's go back to the fact that we're hearing such mixed messages. Yes, send your children back to school. No, don't send your children back to school. Um, and you talked about perhaps getting some data and getting asking other people their thoughts. How much, I call it an opinion poll, how much of an opinion poll is really useful when we're trying to make a, uh, a decision that will impact our children? Um, I think that we tend to find a whole lot of interest in, in what other people think. Um, again, ultimately, it really has to come down to what is most in integrity for you, yourself, and your family. Um, but when it comes to other people's input, they can be helpful in that they're providing other thoughts and um, consideration. Um, so my children, uh, I'm, I'm going to have my third here soon, but uh, we'll soon have three children, three and under, and thankfully we're not in the position to necessarily have to make this decision on behalf of our own kids. With that said, though, I did ask my husband last night, what would you do? And we were on a little bit different sides of the fence here, but I found that to be a really interesting conversation as to his differing input and how he might have done things a little bit differently given the option of what I would do. Um, and I think when it comes to looking to what other people have to say about this, um, there's there's multiple different opinions. Um, there's a lot of different um, uh, experts and facts that you can look to. But the truth of the matter is, is that we haven't yet done it. Um, we we can look to other places around the country that have started going. Um, I want to say there was already that outbreak in the Georgia high school um, across the country from us. And so I think that through this process, it's going to be a learning process. There might be a lot of changes that happen as we go forward from here on out. Well, you brought up an interesting thing, uh, and that is when it's a joint decision. It's very different right. than, say, myself, if I'm making the decision for my children and really no one else is making it, but when I need to to jointly do it uh, with my partner or my husband, then I have to take their thoughts into consideration. And there's all that thing about compromise. There's all that um, feelings about am I giving in or am I giving up. Um, let's talk a little bit how you make a joint decision. Well, it can be a little bit of a nightmare, can it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you um, said that. I <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know, and I want to put an additional lens here. And this is something that I have seen in um, my own sessions with clients um, in the last number of weeks, uh, and that is that parents who are actually divorced or maybe not on the best terms. So um, it's one thing when you are together and it's your household that you're in consideration of and you still have that marriage that um, 
you're working together as a team, but then there, throughout this COVID experience, there have been the, the households where the children have been going back and forth between the households and trying to come to decisions um, as to who are they going to be exposed to. And this, this uh, decision, I would say, is probably also particularly problematic for those households. Mm-hmm. What's compromised to you, Noria? So with compromise, I think that there's uh, there's a few ways to look at that because, again, this is one where it's highly emotionally charged, and I think we can be particularly reactive as we're having this conversation. Um, so with that said, a compromise in this case can look a whole lot of different ways. I'm hearing one of the biggest issues is fears of socialization, um, not getting enough of it, um, wanting to ensure that, uh, you know, homeschooling situations are really going to provide the best fit. Um, I think that in some cases it might be that you're picking a few families with whom you are homeschooling with. Uh, that way you're still getting the socialization. That could be one way that compromise actually looks like in this situation. To go to that, that compromise piece, I think that um, when it comes to compromise, one is that you first need to really be able to hear one another. And I think that because this is so emotionally charged, uh, parents who might have already difficulties regulating themselves um, with the emotions at play um, might really struggle. And so it ends up in an argument every single time. Yeah. One of the big things I would say is be aware of what time of day you're having this conversation. Mm. Um, and also, rather than a continuous argument, which might lead to some decision fatigue, um, decision fatigue. Oh, I like that word. Yes, yes. Jackie and um, I like that I think, word, decision fatigue. It happens. It happens. And, and it's one of those where let's say you've been talking about this subject for for some time. You get to a place where maybe one or the other just gives in, even though it's not really yep. in integrity. And that might over time lead to a sense of um, resentment. Yeah. And that, I think, can be a real problematic issue uh, for couples, for families uh, in going forward, because maybe their their emotions in this have not yet been resolved. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and I think, and I certainly heard, of course, I'm over 70 years old and uh, been in relationship for a very long time in my life. And there's that issue of if you ask somebody what they think and then you don't, do what they say. They say, why did you ask me? Mm, right. You know, it can be as simple as, you know, do you think I should buy this dress or that dress? And they say, yeah, buy the green one. You buy the blue one. And they say, well, why did you want my opinion if you were going to buy the blue one anyway? Yeah. 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 Decision-making yeah, I... in a relationship, even on the simplest things, can be very challenging. So here we are with a topic that is life-altering. I mean, when you think about it, Noran, you know, your, ch your child, it's life-altering. My granddaughter is not going to get a kindergarten experience this year. Hmm. She's not. Right. She's going to get online learning in her daycare setting. And now, is that life-altering for her? No, but for her parents, it's extremely disappointing. So then you have children that um, that are older that aren't getting, say, the children – 
seniors in high school that aren't going to get the graduation and that makes that makes decision making have a whole different um, weight to it, I guess I would say. Absolutely. Um, there are a number of ways in which this decision does have long-term consequences, and um, those short-term consequences include that those memories that we hold so dear, some of those those moments that. Um, tend to be milestones mm -hmm. and almost like those rites of passage, if you will. Uh, I had a kindergarten graduation, you know, and that might be one of those that as well didn't, doesn't happen for some. And then even on the bigger scale, the high school, the college graduation right. um, were something that kind of happened in the spring, but in very, very different ways. Now, there certainly is grief to that and attachment to what has been and wanting it to be that way. And there's also the other side of it where um, I think that we have the opportunity to really set the tone for creating change and looking at really what, what's most important when it really comes down to it, what's most important, because we're looking at the curriculum here for uh, these children and what they're going to miss out on learning as well. I mean, the digital sphere, um, there, there are a number of different issues that come along with that, and people have had to uh, very quickly learn how to operate in the digital sphere. Um, but one of the big things I would say that I think should be a part of the curriculum, especially going into this coming year, um, would be the emotional intelligence piece, mm -hmm. emotional literacy, mm -hmm. because what we're going through hurts in so many different ways. And I think that being able to put words to that, being able to label it and to be able to work through the grieving process, um, it's going to look different, but at the same time, maybe, just maybe, through this experience, we can find ways to do things even better. I know that might be a little bit of an optimistic view for, for many families who are just crushed under the agony of this uh, decision. But at the same token, I want to say that this is also revealing to us things that are so important and intricate to our best well-being. Well, let me let me talk a little bit about um, the child. How much input? I'm talking, uh, say, an elementary school, Norian, uh, not a senior, you know, a high school. Um, how much input would you give a child into the decision? Uh, you know, they want to go back with their friends, but they don't quite have an understanding of how uh, this might jeopardize their health. How how much of of their comments? would you want in your decision making? I love that you differentiated as to the age of the child when you posed this question because that cognitive uh, capacity is different. For a young kiddo, they might not even know what they're missing out on entirely and that that's more our grief rather than theirs. Um, and again, I think in going forward with this decision, um, there's, there's a lot of factors to consider. 
Um, for a child, uh, for example, if the child is, say, on the autism spectrum, they might have a harder time wearing the mask all day long uh, due to sensory issues and the anxiety of that. Um, and so when it comes to making the decision on their behalf, I think certainly those factors would need to be uh, considered on their behalf um, and also asking them what their preference would be. You know, more often than not, they're going to say, but I want to be with my friends. Or, you know, there might be certain things that they really look forward to, like back-to-school shopping. Um, I've definitely heard that from a few of the kiddos on my own caseload is that, ultimately one of the biggest things that they're most excited about is really just seeing their friends. And I think that perhaps coming back to that idea of compromise, there are other ways to integrate that in. And um, I, I want to be careful saying this and staying in my own lane as to what my expertise is, but mm-hmm. I have a gut feeling that one of the best case outcomes for going back to school is that teachers and students are going to be able to meet one another, create a sense of rapport with each other, um, and that because of all these outbreaks that are already happening and that inevitably probably will continue to do so if at um, not higher levels, um, there might be the point where they do decide to go digital anyway. So in truth, it might be that they have the opportunity to create a sense of rapport with with their teachers, with the other students in their class. But in terms of really consideration of of the students' needs, I would say, you know, children uh, should be considered and they should be asked, but certainly depending on the age that they are, um, what their preference is is ultimately probably going to need to be most uh, decided upon by the parents themselves. Yeah. So we've made our decision, and for the sake of our discussion today, I've made a decision that my children um, will not go back to school, that they will do distance learning. And what do we do with the fact that we then second-guess our decision? I mean, you know, we they get in, they get into the distance learning, they don't like it, it's a battle, which I know um, you and I are going to talk next week about parenting overload. It's a battle, and you're having second-guessing yourself every day and saying, gee, I, maybe I should have sent them back to school. What do we do? It, it seems to me that's sort of phase two. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that there are ways that we can cut down on the hard decision, other hard decisions that we have to make throughout the day. Um, and I think that that would mean choose your battles uh, as much as possible. Um, so one of the things I've heard from some parents is like the, the eating battle. So that might be one of those where certain things where you want for their best well-being, um, it might be that you're choosing which battles that you're really going into with one another. Or you're also integrating breaks. I think that that's so important for kiddos because as we're staring at a screen, there might be that uh, habituation effect where where we lose our attention span after a period of time, and especially little kiddos. There, mm-hmm. I think that was one of the reasons why they're wanting elementary students in particular to go back in person is because they lose their attention span yeah. so much more quickly for the yeah. digital. Um, so integrating in breaks, and again, if they're getting frustrated, if the parents are getting frustrated, 
slow down. Take a moment to talk. Really talk with each other. What's going on? Are you really having a hard time with this? Okay. Can we do it for five minutes and then to do something for like do jumping jacks and then maybe do another five minutes? I know that sounds a little bit tedious and there's a lot of parents that I'm guessing are hearing this and saying, I don't have the time for that. Maybe I am also working. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that too, you know, probably will go into the uh, working from home as well as the parental overload conversation that ha- we have upcoming. Um, but with that said, I think that's part of the decision process for some parents is they feel like they have to work and that they're not able to put the time towards this with their students and so then it truly does become that battle and they feel as if they're not getting what their needs are met. Is it important, uh, Noran, for for us to remember that decisions can be changed? Yes. That yes. we, that we have flexibility because I know sometimes, and I can only speak for myself, sometimes I get locked into having made that decision and think I can't I can't change it when I truly, I can. Right. I think that this is one where a very important key piece to the circumstances, uh, this circumstance is adapting to changes that will ultimately serve to help the growth and encouragement of both parents, students, teachers, administrators, friends, family. I think that um, when it comes down to it, there's there's two types of people in this world. <laughs> Um, so there are those who prefer to be more like a 747, and then there are those who prefer a little bit more of that helicopter experience. And I would say majority of people tend to be more the 747 type. And to, to give you an idea of really what that means is that that's a little bit more of a comfortable ride. Uh, it's one where you get to have a drink and you get to relax and you get to read a book, um, and it's going for a long distance. However, in order for it to make a change to its trajectory, it has to go miles out of its way in order to really fully turn around. Mm -hmm. The helicopter, on the other hand, tends to be the type where it can change on a dime, right? It can can move very swiftly and deftly. Um, However, it is a bit more of that risky ride. It is also one that um, you're probably not going to get as settled in, not as comfortable, if you will. And right now, what we're being asked to do is be the helicopter. We're, uh, we're being asked to just change yeah. on a dime. Yeah. And so many people are wanting to dig their heels in and feel they're, they're feeling natural resistance, which I think really makes a lot of sense. Um, because more often than not, you know, this, this is very traditional, right, the structure of schooling. And uh, for this to be something that now is in such question, I think, is, is really hard for a number of families because this has been so such a reliable factor for so many people over decades. Well, so be, this is a new experience. It is, and we haven't really even touched on the fact that whether they want to or not, we have parents mm-hmm. in elementary school children that have to send their children back to school so they can work. Right. They have to. It's, right. it's the only way that they can get to the job that feeds their family. And what a dilemma that is for the parent who, in their heart of hearts, wishes that they could do it different for their child. And, um, and that's the option that they have. That's exactly right. There's there's some who feel like while they might make a different decision, they they also feel that they don't necessarily have a choice in the matter. Right. And um, interesting enough, 
that's almost, um, I'm not going to say that's easier, but when you don't have a choice, then your decision-making factors are a little bit different. And uh, maybe you realize that that's the only decision you can make, so you spend your time trying to accept the decision in the best way that you can. Right. Um, too many options uh, can be hard on decision making. Does that make sense? I mean, you, you know, you've got five or six different options, and you need to make a decision. And sometimes, at least for me, that's pretty stressful. I can't. It's the narrowing it down that gets challenging. It certainly can be, and um, again, that's where the the cutting down on hard decisions really does come into play, not only for kiddos, but for parents as well. Sometimes it's uh, like Steve Jobs, for example, he wore the exact same thing every single day. It was kind of his own sort of uniform, (laughs) but what that did for him uh, was that it cut down on the decision-making process, whereas one thing less that he had to worry about and he had to put into consideration. Um, And that's sometimes why we do that is because we don't necessarily have full capacity to to handle some of these things. And sometimes when it comes to not having as many decisions, um, it can ease the load at least to a degree. but with that said, you know, I, I think to come back to that idea that this has been agonizing for parents. There are major, major implications here. And I think that over the course of COVID, parents have been literally trying to make what feels sometimes like life or death decisions um, uh, for their families. You know, it's not just the kiddos, it's the grandparents as mm-hmm. well. Um, and they too, again, we'll go to parenting overload, but they too are, are often, hopefully, very integrated into the care. And so uh, there might be family members or very close friends who are no longer able to see the kids or to be able to be as helpful in the home because they have to make this decision in order to be able to, to let the kids go back to school. It, it's, it's agonizing. So we've, we've touched on a lot of different aspects of decision-making, but I think we've, we've really painted a great picture, Norianne. What do you think you'd like to say to parents that are listening um, that would be the, the most important piece of advice that you could give them as they're making this uh, really difficult decision for themselves and their families? So I think that education is critically important. Absolutely. Um, with that said, I think it's also uh, incredible for children to be able to learn multiple languages or to try to be the top of their class. Um, And again, definitely learning the content of the curriculum set forward that will hopefully best prepare them academically for their adulthood. With that, though, if if parents and if children do not know how to self-regulate their emotions, how to practice conflict conflict resolution skills, or to manage these circumstantial stressors, those academic pieces really ultimately don't add up to being quite as important. One is because the children have a much harder time taking that information in. If they themselves are in really deep anxiety, um, it's much more difficult to really pay attention in class. 
um, or to pay attention to the computer screen. Um, and I think that if, if parents are struggling themselves, uh, then that is going to be an indication of perhaps how the child is going to do in the upcoming school year. So the best thing that I think parents can do is to not only learn that emotional literacy for themselves going through this experience, um, but to be able to learn how to have those types of conversations as well and ultimately really having generosity for um, one another, you know, as far as parents go and perhaps being on different sides of the fence here, that ultimately really what you're wanting is the best for the child. Um, but at the same time, you know, how we get there is really the, the more difficult part I would definitely recommend decompression at the end of the day with one another. That would include maybe um, saying the rose, thorn, and bud approach. And that means what was one of the best things that happened in your day, the rose, what was one of the hardest, the thorn, and the bud. What are you looking forward to for the next day? Um, what is it that you'd like to learn and try to integrate as you go forward? Because this is going to be, again, a marathon. This is going to be a long-term process. And I think that the more that people can really come out of that fight or flight in order to really settle into what's going to be upcoming. Um, you know, I think the first two weeks, there's going to be a lot of chaos. <laughs> there just will be. You know, people are going to be trying to figure out um, these protocols that have just been put down, you know, whether it's wearing the mask all day or getting everything set up with the digital sphere. So have some patience in the process, not only with one another, the teachers, the admin, um, but definitely with the students themselves as they're just everybody's trying to get on board and figure this out. That's great advice, Norian. Just uh, be kind to ourselves. Take a breath. Um, I think that's great advice throughout the entire pandemic and one that we tend to forget. Um, this has been great information, Norian. We've been talking about a parent's decision on whether to send their children back to school exceedingly timely. Um, my guest has been Norian Brooklocker, a local licensed marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Nora is our guest through a series of topics that have to do with mental health and the stress of the pandemic. Next week, Nora, Ann, and I will be discussing parenting overload. That seemed like a great uh, next session for us to talk about. Thank you so much, Nora. Ann. 